Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, we are back on the Ohio Podcast. I've got a new guest here, which is really exciting, Rachel Coyle. She is the co-founder of How How Things Work at the Ohio State House, and I'm glad I was able to get that out in one breath. Um, Rachel, how are you doing? Thank you for coming on. What's going on today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and it's good. We're here in Columbus. I mean, obviously, being an Ohioan, we go to everywhere in Ohio, but, you know, the State House is in Ohio, and lots of... Exciting things are happening there. Uh, we've talked to a couple reporters recently and want to get Rachel's uh, perspective on this. The 2022 elections coming up. I know you, a lot of people are out there saying, Ugh, 2020 just got done. Can we take a breath? Can we relax? It was obviously uh, last election was kind of long, frustrating for various reasons. But hey, we're, we got to look ahead to 2022, but it's going to be interesting. Um, wanted to talk about the governor race. Um, and I think Mike DeWine is in a really intriguing place. Um, when this uh, pandemic started, um, you know, he was working with Amy Acton, and I think there was an understanding, not from a political standpoint, but from a what's right standpoint, to say, hey, you got to be careful of COVID, everything else. I, I think Amy Acton was kind of helping push that, but and although it was a good perspective, it kind of ticked some people off. As you know, there's a lot of Republicans, you know, trying to you know, take away state powers and everything else. It seems like he's kind of back in a uh, kind of a mixed perspective. Uh, he's still he's still doing some things that everybody's agreeing with. Um, he's doing some things though that there's been some disagreement with, not just on COVID and everything. What are you thinking like about the wine? I mean, obviously, kind of with your political leaning, I'm sure you're not supporting him, but it's kind of in a, it's kind of a weird perspective for you guys because. Usually it's okay. We want our side to win, but now it's kind of—is he a moderate? What is he? I, I, how do you look at it from a, a left viewpoint? I guess. So for for Democrats, it is you're right. It's very interesting place to be in because initially, like you said, Mike DeWine uh, enjoyed incredible popularity with Doctor right. Acton at his side. You know, at the beginning of the COVID crisis, uh, but that has flipped dramatically not just with the COVID response, but also with several bills the governor has signed recently. Uh, Stand Your Ground bill was recently through the state house and Democrats were hopeful he would veto it, but he did not. Uh, he also signed two bills attacking a women's right to choose, which Democrats are very unhappy about. So there have been several, he also signed a bill uh, this weekend that it impacted right to protest at drilling yeah. and fracking sites. Uh, so there are lots of things now that I think have moved a lot of folks on the left away from that thought that perhaps Governor DeWine could have been that moderate they were hoping for. 
so now he's in an interesting place where there are Democrats who are mad at him and there are people on the right who are mad right. at him. Uh, and he's facing a, you know, potentially a, a primary challenger. And I think, you know, the abortion issue is going to be a classic one way thinks one way, the other thinks the other. So I, I think I can understand kind of his reasoning, maybe from a political or the way he believes or whatever. The stand your ground thing, I thought was really interesting because you look at that awful Dayton shooting, you look at some of these other cases, and yeah, there is a gun rights faction out there that, you know, maybe they have just a fear saying, okay, don't take away our guns, don't take away our guns. I really thought, though, I mean, man, there's been so many just really bad instances of multiple people dying and shootings and everything else. And, you know, I, I look at Dayton Mayor Dan, Dan Wheelie, um, mm-hmm. who was happy because, you know, DeWine came out and said, look, it's time we do something. You know, it was during a rally after that shooting Dayton happened, and she was really frustrated when he, he signed the Stand Your Ground bill. And I think the one thing that kind of struck me about that was at press conference, he's like, well, he seemed to kind of waffle a little bit and say, well, I wasn't sure if that was the best thing, but here's like, he wasn't like, yeah, you stand your ground, Bill. He was almost like, I wasn't sure what else to do. What's it going to take to find some moderate ground where, yeah, there's a lot of passions. There's a lot of money flowing into both sides. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why we can't find some medium thing that maybe, Democrats won't be super thrilled with and Republicans won't be super thrilled with, but it was something to say, Hey, let's go down the mill. I know that's not where we're at politically. We're at whoop, way over sides. But I, I think on this case where people are losing their lives, especially for the same ground bill, why can't we find a medium? I, I don't understand that. Yeah, that stand your ground decision really was interesting to me because even, even the police officers, the police chiefs of every major city in Ohio, uh, sent a letter to the legislature opposing Sandra Brown. Right. So, you know, this isn't just a, a, a liberal democratic issue. You know, this is right. entire organizations of folks um, coming together and saying that this makes their their jobs more difficult and dangerous. Um, and it was literally just the gun lobby on that particular issue. And yet it still ends up getting signed, uh, which is, you know, our state house is run by a super majority of one party. We talk right. about our group all the time that, it doesn't matter which party, supermajority, bad, because uh, it means that one party just goes to the far extreme of whatever their party thinks. Um, and so that really interests me. And guns overall, you know, 90% of Ohioans, according to the most recent polling, support right. things like background checks without loopholes, and yet we still can't get those passed. So I don't know, I don't know how we move past that. Like, how do you get past 90%? No Ohio and nobody's going to agree on 90 percent of anything most of the time. And we still can't get something like that passed. So I don't know where we go from here unless we you know, change our leadership. And let me answer another unanswerable question, because I think it's a problem with politics, both sides, you know, probably throughout the last hundred years. How do we get the money out of it to the point of I mean, I bet you if you have people in favor of standing ground and you put them under a you know lie detector and you say, OK, just tell the truth. Tell what's going on. I mean, the gun lobby, you said it, don't waste a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if people are under a lie detector and they say, okay, look, we're getting this money from the gun lobby. If we turn tail, we may not be able to run. We may not be able to have the campaign. So we, we've got to take that money. I mean, I can understand that. And that's an awful thing to say, mm-hmm. you know, if they were being honest. How do we get past that? And I mean, not just with the gun issue, but there's issues that you know other people are passionate about that you might say i don't understand this issue but there's a lot of money on the side I mean, how do we get past that a little bit where 
we're making the decisions right, even if it's like how Democrats or Republicans feel, but it's more based on we feel that way because that's what we feel, not based on, hey, we don't want to lose this big donor. Right. And it's complicated. I mean, the ultimate goal has to be to get money out of politics altogether. Uh, but right. that's going to potentially, you know, take you know, that national legislation and, and, you know, people are talking about having to long term amend the Constitution. Uh, so right. we've got to come up with shorter term solutions. And one of those is you know, learning how to grassroots fundraise, small dollar right. donation type things. But you're still going to have to come up against big money packs, dark money packs, which we see in Ohio all the time, and turning down uh, money from lobbying organizations sometimes make you makes you look like an illegitimate candidate who can't raise right. money. So everyone, there's no good solution. There's no way, especially for, for Democrats who are trying to go up against these big money donors uh, to really win on that one. Right. And I think... I didn't tell you this before the interview, but um, I'm in the media now, but I used to be in PR. And I uh, served, I won't say the name because this is going out publicly, but <laughs> I used to work for a national charter school chain. And mm -hmm. they were for-profit, which obviously raises a lot of alarm bells, not just for Democrats, but for Republicans, too. Certainly got, what's that? Certainly in Ohio. Yes, yes. You can probably guess who that might be. I can tell you after we're done uh, what the group was. And I think the thing that frustrated me was, okay, in doing PR, you know, you're obviously representing the interests of this particular organization. What frustrated me overall was, okay, yeah, there's a lot of things you can make arguments either way. You know, say, hey, they're good for this. They're bad because of this. I sat in meetings where... It was all money-based. Like, you know, a politician walked in and, you, you know, the politician kind of pretty much felt the feet of the founder. It was, you know, we're not worthy, we're not worthy because he was doing a lot of money. And then on the other side, you know, people on the other side were beholden to, you know, some teachers unions that were doing a lot of money too. And yet there is a right and there's a wrong there. I'm not saying it's all just about money. I just get frustrated with almost both sides. Instead of just saying, okay, what's the right? thing for kids is it really good for a organization to take tax tax dollars without accounting for them it, it seemed to be less about that and seemed to be okay we want to take off teachers unions are giving us a lot of money while the other side was how can we you know donate a ton of money to the other side to help keep us support it, yeah i i see the worst in both levels i'm just like is there some way we can get out of it and you're right it's easier said than done it's impossible but how can we make that work right we've had you know very successful congressional level candidates who will run entirely on grassroots funding. They won't take corporate PAC money. That's a big you know, talking point even in the right. campaign. But at the state level, you know, that's real hard to do because a lot of folks don't pay attention to state level politics yet. So it's hard to promise yourself in your campaign that you're going to raise money exclusively off people uh, if people aren't paying attention to your rates. And so then all that's left is those big dollar donors. And it's a, it's there's no we're all between a rock and a hard place on this one well and the other thing as a, a guy who tends to be a little more toward the moderate side like i admired some like a john Kasich, mm -hmm. who and i know it was partly frustration from president trump the election everything else but he became a moderate where he said say hey here's some republican things like here's some democrat things I like well the tough thing is when he became a moderate nobody would support him so it, it's a tough thing like you said you know the money is frustrating but if the money all goes away you almost have to totally revamp the way the election goes. So, yeah, got off on that bunny trail. That, that was something that was interesting for me. But uh, the thing I wanted to, to talk about was, okay, the election race is coming up. Mm -hmm. um, when 
when do the when do you have to declare for the primary? I mean, the election itself is in twenty twenty two. Is it is there a deadline this year? But I think it's the end of this year or the very okay. beginning of next. The assumption would Dewine will run again. I know there's been some talk. Maybe since he's a little bit older, maybe he allows you know, Hugh said to run for it. We're not sure about that. It's interesting to see. I think on the Republican side, there probably will be a primary candidate, um, Jim Renici, I believe it is. Um, they're saying he might be interested. I've heard some rumors of Jim Jordan, which I think would be interesting on a multitude of levels. Are, are you hearing anything from where you're at about people who might be interested? I know no one's declaring now, but what rumblings have you heard? Uh, yes, on the Republican side, I've heard both of those rumors as well. Uh, you know, Jim Renese just did a big town hall the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think folks were expecting a campaign announcement, and I don't think they got one. Uh, but yeah, it's looking more and more like there will be a, a primary challenger to DeWine's right, uh, which will be fascinating uh, just from a political perspective. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering, too, who would be in favor? Because I think a lot of it depends on how you feel about COVID. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, if you're really fired up um, saying that, hey, we shouldn't have COVID restrictions at all, you're probably not a DeWine fan. And it'll be interesting to see, like, where Renacci or, and I know, yeah, Jim Jordan feels a certain way about COVID, uh, but you almost have to take that opposite viewpoint if you're running against the wine. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that election would go, you know. And a lot of that, I think, will be impacted by literally the next few weeks where yeah. the response to the, the, the insurrection that occurred in DC, right. if we see violence in the next couple of weeks leading up to the inauguration, I think a lot of folks are going to be looking for accountability from the Republican Party, and it may be hard to get folks to come out and actually say those types of words, uh, which may impact political opinions heading into 2022 as well, whether the Republican Party has moved to the right or stay more moderate. And I kind of wonder, too, you look from a, and I know we're keeping this more from a state perspective, Mm -hmm. but from a national perspective, it's interesting. You see a lot of times when there's a new party come in power, sometimes that two years afterwards, not it, it, it sometimes is the other party. So, I mean, I think like the Republicans took over, you know, part of the House and Senate, it, you know, well, no, it was the Democrats um, after, you know, Trump became president. Like sometimes it just flips where sometimes you just go to the other party. And I wonder if that affects state politics too. Um, you know, Joe Biden's going to be a president. Um, <laughs> it's weird that we're still going. Yes. We're pretty sure Joe Biden's going to be our president on January 6th. Sure at this point. Yes. <laughs> Right. Those things are usually determined the sentence stone in November. It's yeah. weird how we're catching our breath going, I want you know, let's check our Twitter, making sure nothing weird is going on. But yeah, I mean Biden's coming to president in January and it'll be interesting to see because obviously uh, there's a lot to be done in COVID. And yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see how his perspective on it influences Ohio. I mean, is that gonna frustrate Ohio? Would that lead to maybe a really really conservative GOP challenger. And I think you're going to see that in the next couple months. Um, On the Democrat side, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Who are you hearing are people that could be interested that might throw their hat in the ring? So it's all rumors at this point. Uh, There's really good candidate options out there. Uh, Several folks who have gotten more and more press play the last couple months, uh, Mayor Nan Whaley of Dayton's name Mm -hmm. is always thrown around in that ring. She recently just announced she's not running uh, re-election for mayor, so that right. her up. Um, Congressman Tim Ryan up in the Valley has also been, his name's been thrown around. Um, both of them come from areas where they are not necessarily 
staunch Democratic areas. So they're going to have to, they already know how to win over votes from folks who may not think of themselves as Democrats, which is critical in a statewide race. Uh, so I've heard both those names. We also have, you know, a competitive congressional race happening in the Cleveland area, which, oh, okay. several, uh, you know, there's several names being thrown around for that. And whoever doesn't come out of that one as the Congress member may end up running for governor. You never know. Uh, there's lots of options um, from the state house. You know, Amelia Sykes would be incredible at anything she wants to run for. So it's all yeah. at this point. Uh, but I'm excited to see what happens. I, I wonder if, um, you know, Tim Ryan's a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wonder if, though, the fact we, when you run for president, if you don't get it, and again, that doesn't mean you're a bad politician or anything. I wonder if that hurts. I'm, I'm wondering if the fact that Nan Willie has some name recognition, she's been for some really awful things in Dayton, but her response ha has gained some po positivity. I, I wonder if, if that's going to help her if we're looking at a Nam Wheelie versus Tim Ryan, Amelia Sykes, there's a lot of good things I've heard about her. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure though if she has a name recognition maybe as a Tim Ryan or Nam Whaley. So if you're looking at Nam Willie or Tim Ryan, I'm not asking you to pick your personal favorite, but what do you think in, in theory might be a better, a more popular choice around high voters that you think would, would get a vote? Oh man, I could not choose between them. I, you know, I think they're yeah. they're both very different candidates, and I think, like you mentioned, name ID is critical uh, because right. you don't want to have to spend the whole time introducing yourself to the voters. Uh, right. so, you know, Tim Ryan, just because he's in Congress, may have a little bit of an edge on the name ID front. Uh, but then Nan Whaley has been in Ohio working on uh, recent, you know, crises, like you mentioned, the, the shooting in Dayton that that may have helped her connect with the community on a different level. So they both are coming from really strong places. Uh, and I honestly couldn't say which one of them uh, would be the stronger candidate at this point. Well, it would be interesting to see a, a debate between like a Whaley and DeWine because, you know, they seem friendly to each other, but Whaley got upset with the Sandy Ground response. And I, I would imagine that maybe not with DeWine, but just with the Republican Party, she's got some strong feelings really with the COVID and everything else. Mm -hmm. It would be an interesting matchup. I, mean, I think Whaley probably has a little bit more name recognition, mm -hmm. but Ryan's got that um, been there, done that, where he hasn't been governor yet, but the fact he's served from Washington and everything, you know, sometimes that holds more cachet doing that than maybe just coming from mayor's standpoint. I think about Pete Buttigieg, you know, for the presidential election. Um, man, there was a lot that I think people liked about him. And I think maybe what held him back at the end was people said, well, he's a mayor now. And that shouldn't disqualify you. But I think sometimes in people's minds, the fact that you're just a mayor, you know, sometimes it kind of drags you down a few pegs. So you're right. It's interesting. I think Nan Willie's got a lot going on for Tim Willie's Tim Whaley. Tim Ryan has a lot going for him, too. Should be interesting to see how, how that works. I want to touch on this briefly. Um, the riots. Um, you're involved. I, I don't know if you could say, are, are you down to say house on a regular basis? I don't want. I was uh, pre-COVID, thankfully. Okay. I've uh, gone mostly to watching the committees online. But, yes, spend a lot okay. of time and care about a lot of people who work there. Yes. How do you feel... I think it's Sunday, you know, here at the Columbus Dispatch, we've had stories about um, there's protest planned. And thankfully, Sunday isn't a heavy day at the State House, mm -hmm. but still, it's a little nerve wracking because they call it armed protests. I'm not sure if they have the same plans that happened in D.C. or not. But again, the fact it's armed protests gets a little nerve slowing. What have you heard from down there just in terms of 
what people are thinking. I mean, has there been more uncovered than what we've heard or so there I'm sure you saw there were national reports that one of the specifically named potential targets mm -hmm. uh, for, for violence this weekend is Columbus, Ohio at the State House, which is uncomfortable for everyone. Um, there's also fears that it won't just be Sunday, you know, that it'll continue on potentially through election day. And there we're going to have staffers working at the State House on inauguration day because it's on a Wednesday, I believe. Uh, so there's been talk about how to protect the staff. You know, a lot of these folks are, you know, this is their first job out of college and they're young kids and you want to make right. sure that they're not stuck somewhere unsafe um, if these if these riots turn into something uh, like we saw in D.C. So there's definitely discussion of how to protect the folks who work at the state house. I kind of wonder, and I, I don't want this to be successful, you know, no violence that's you know, the stance that we take, but why do you announce it? I thought that was strange. And why do you have it on a Sunday? I mean, I guess it's good because if you, have any violence in your mind, you know, there's less people there, I guess. But mm -hmm. it, it sounds weird to say, I mean, that'd be like if someone's breaking your house. They sound pressurely saying, I'm going to break into your house, you know, 4 p.m. Sunday. I'll be there. Mm -hmm. I'll be armed and everything else. It, it sounds, uh, I mean, I'm hoping this means that maybe it's more of a PR. <laughs> I, I don't know. But then, again, you know, they, that happened before January 6th, and obviously it was awful. I, yeah, I, I some of it may have been reporting on conversations, you know, Parler, that website, Parler, that yeah. is now no longer available. Right. Uh, there were folks plotting violence on there, and it may have been reporting based on that. Uh, or you're right, it could be, let's get as much of the press there as possible and then do some big thing to, to get attention. Either yeah. way, it's scary if you're just a staffer who's trying to go to work. Well, and yeah, it's scary for staffers. Mm -hmm. I can tell you behind the scenes, I think I could talk about this, um, but, you know, here to dispatch, you know, we've had a lot of behind the scenes conversations mm -hmm. and we're taking this seriously where, yeah, it's important for us to be there, but there's a lot of behind the scenes conversations, a lot of, Hey, here's steps we have in place to make sure you're secure. And it, it was a lengthy letter that went out. So just keep the staff, say house members and um, their staffers in mind this weekend in your thoughts, prayers, also keep the media in your thoughts and prayers. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't know if we have a big audience among protesters or whatever, but if you're a protester out there, think about who this affects. I mean, you might be upset about what's happening. Hey, we all have the right to be upset, but if you've got violence in your mind, your heart, look, people, people like us are the people that you're upset about. I mean, we're, we're people like you who do our jobs try and make the world a better place and that's that so just i had a long argument with some people over the weekend saying look you can be upset politically but we're dealing with human lives you know human people and everything so yeah if if you're that way or if you know of somebody that way please keep that in mind this weekend let's have a safe weekend if you want to protest fine that's part of what our country is about but what happened january 6 was just a little well, not a little crazy outline, and you know we definitely want to see that again. So, all right, well, sounds good. Well, Rachel, I really appreciate it, and you know, love to have you back on and uh, talk some more Ohio politics. But I think we've been past our time. I want to make sure I don't keep you too long. How do we connect with you? Well, well let's talk two different things. Uh, this Facebook group, um, mm -hmm. love being part of it. Um, you guys post stories from the State House. Mm -hmm. uh, got some Ohio politics. Um, some things happening around Columbus. How do we get to that uh, Facebook page if, if somebody out there doesn't know how to get there? 
Sure. So we have we're we're largely social media based. It's how things work oh on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, okay. you can also email us at howthingsworkoh at gmail.com. Okay, great. And just sharing a lot of stories and just sharing probably I think you guys post some thoughts that you guys have on things that are going on. Yes, we do calls to action. Uh, we also do trainings. So we're going to be doing digital trainings during COVID, uh, teaching people about the budget process, the redistricting process, or just how to get bills passed at the state house level, how to be an activist. Yeah, and the thing that's impressive about Rachel and her group, and you might say, oh, a Facebook group manager, there's a million of them out there. Well, yeah, it is a Facebook group, but at the same time, very informative. And I see a lot of people being active. I mean, you know, you join these Facebook groups where nobody says anything or does anything, and you're like, oh, what a crazy group and everything. Like Rachel said, there's teaching involved, there's training involved, there's not just sharing news articles. There's a lot of interesting things. And again, if you agree with political ideology or not, hey, learn more, understand more, uh, learn more about what's going around you. Because I, I think the one thing that struck me about Ohio politics is it's been something in past years that we kind of gloss over. Some people are interested, a lot of people aren't. But sadly, it's taken COVID and everything else to realize, hey, stuff happened to the State House is really important. I mean, I've talked to political reporters and say, wow, there's been so much in, more interest in what we've done here at the State House than ever before. And, you know, sadly, it's because we've been in an awful year. But I think it's also important to say, hey, this is going to be important even after COVID is over and other stuff, too. So, yeah, I mean, have you, all political opinions. We want people to debate in there and, you know, good. we focus on issues rather than, than candidates. So we, we try hard to accept everyone in there. Have you noticed that more, not just in your work, but in your Facebook group? Is there a lot more buzz just in general about state politics? I'm imagining there, maybe it's just me. I mean, have you guys heard more just in general? Absolutely. Yeah. People have been paying attention to who is making right. the laws during COVID, I think, especially. Uh, there's right. been more and more interest each year, though, for the past five or six years uh, in, in state-level government. Some of that well, is due to the Trump campaign and, and administration. People have started paying closer attention to how laws are made uh, and who has the power. And it's been really, it's been good to see at the state house level. Yeah, and I encourage you to just look at all sides. I mean, I, I've talked. I talked to a lot of Trump supporters on here, and I'm not making value judgments on if he's right or not. I, I think the one thing about Trump is your he deals a lot of declaratory stuff, like "Hey, this way is the right way." And yeah, anytime you fall a politician, they're going to tell you their way is the right way. But one thing I've learned in my life: read both sides, make an informed decision. No one way is the right way. Everybody has some decent ideas. Read both sides and make a selection. Um, I think the one thing that's been important to us, and if I if I can make a quick pitch, um, our newspaper group, uh, Gannett, Ohio, uh, and I'll, I'll share this, a link with our interview here today, too. Uh, we're starting a program called Healing Ohio. We're combining with a political group in Ohio. Um, I believe it's Healing Hands. I, I don't have it right in front of me. But it's a group that says, hey, there's been such a political divide, especially after the last four years and they're trying to bring people together where they say listen to each other help each other out make better decisions inform decisions and we have a couple events coming up and i encourage you be part of that be part of rachel's group um learn more about the political process but even if you disagree with somebody there's common ground and, and let's be more unified just as human beings i'm not even talking politically just as human beings I, i've seen that so much lately I, i've been excited about what um 
dispatch this is inquiry doing with that. So yeah, check out, I'll just send you a link to that too. So that sounds great. Yes. We big fans of local <clears throat> news. We could not survive without our state house supporters in, in our organization. So thank you all for the work you do. Oh, oh no problem. Well, it's great to be part of the group and I love, I think I shared this on your Facebook group, but dispatch and inquire are combining their state house bureaus, which is good. We're not losing anybody. We're combining, um, you know, we're one big happy family now in Ohio and I think it's been hard over the first couple months because it seems like everyone is stepping on each other's toes. But I think it's been good with a combined because mm-hmm. there's so much to look at. I mean, we found out that even in the statehouse press conferences with, you know, DeWine, there's so many topics that having combined news news coverage, you can look at everything, not just the main story. So should be good. Well, hey, a lot of good stuff. Thank you for coming on, Rachel. Love to have you back on. Stick around for a couple seconds afterwards. And thank you for listening to Ohio. And everyone have a great day. Sounds great. Thank you.